Good morning, everyone. As we have in our first reading from Deuteronomy, this is a part of the farewell speech of Moses, and he's urging the people to obey God's laws. And he goes on, as we heard in the first reading, uh, he's saying that this is not something imposed from you out, from the outside, but it is something that is now within you. At the end of that reading, uh, there's a reference to the mouth. And uh, what J- Moses is talking about when he says, in your mouth, he's saying you have memorized these laws. And then he makes a reference to the heart. And he said, you have internalized these now because they are written. In other words, they should be as easy as breathing to you. And you shouldn't have to think about it. It should just be done. And, um, well, that wouldn't be the case uh, for them. Uh, St. Paul uh, is asserting the supremacy of Christ. And in that passage, um, he's talking about the fullness uh, of, of divineness that is in Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. He is fully God. If you go back and read it, um, there's these subtleties, and this is what Paul's getting at. But he's saying the very sacrifice, the blood of his cross, has done this for you. Now, it begins by saying uh, he is the image of the invisible God. And immediately when I read that, I thought about Genesis, where uh, we are told God created man and woman in his image. And I thought, okay, how do I reconcile this? What is being said? Well, Jesus of Nazareth becomes the perfection of Adam. He's the perfection. Uh, And what does that mean for us then? Uh, We, through baptism, are now united with Christ in this perfection. Not one day, now, is what Paul is getting at. Uh, And my friends, um, we have in our gospel one of the most famous of all uh, the gospel pieces, or even uh, the different religions know about the Good Samaritan. They understand what it is. Even atheists know. If you talk to someone who doesn't believe in God and say, do you understand what the Good Samaritan? Oh, yeah, I know what that means. So, Uh, I struggled with, what do I tell you that might be new? What would I tell you that might be more enlightening? Um, So my friends, uh, last night, certainly, I made the assumption that the people already knew all the characters, and and maybe I shouldn't have, uh, because uh, the story of the Good Samaritan has many layers to it, uh, and ultimately... Uh, three years from now, because it only appears in Luke's gospel, and we're in, that's year C, and we're in three-year cycles. So the next time this will come up at a Sunday will be three years from now. Uh, I'm going to try in that time to show you how uh, it's a story of salvation. The deepest of its meaning is the story of salvation in the church. But for today, uh, the characters in Jesus, um, there's a question that he poses, who is my neighbor? Uh, is a relevant and challenging question today um, as it was in the time of Jesus. And I want to kind of highlight this and tell you this is not about the good deed. It's not about the deeds. It's actually about the person who's doing it, which is what this story is really about. And um, we don't ignore the deeds are important, but it's not really about that. Um, It's not about the person who got beat up. On that road, uh, that road is very famous and notorious. It was actually called the Road of Blood. Uh, there was two reasons. There's a mountain that's red, and when it rained, it made it red. But it was because it was notorious for people getting robbed and beaten up and murdered there. And up until 
uh, the 19th century, it was still a very dangerous place. Today, it's, uh, it's very touristy. There's even the Good Samaritan Inn there. <laughs> Make that money. <laughs> but what I understand, it's a hostel. So the youth are staying there. So not so much money. Huh? Um, but um, so... Um, this road is very dangerous, and it has. Uh, I actually went last night to look at a picture of it. Uh, and, you know, Jerusalem is up here, and Jericho is down here. So it's a mountainous. It's just. I was like, oh no, I wouldn't go on that road. No, uh, not me. But, uh, but, um, Jesus is dealing with. Uh, but and this becomes relevant for our time because in our time, there's a lot of skewed nationalism and religious prejudices, and there's even ancient rivalries still. I mean, we just have to simply have to look to Israel and Palestine. They are still fighting with each other. And, um, and all of this contributes to, uh, in our times, to the denial of what Jesus was trying to do with this parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, he was saying, all people are our neighbor. But that is not how uh, the people of Jesus' time, as a matter of fact, they would have been scandalized by what Jesus said at the end. It's clear that Jesus chose the characters very, very carefully with the intention of making a number of points. First, the man who fell victim to the robbers is obviously a Jew. Uh, the area they're in is Jewish territory, a very well-known Jewish territory, actually. And um, the priest and Levite... Um, they are leaders of the Jewish communities. So the Levite is from the tribe of Levi. Uh, he would have belonged to what we know, uh, the descendant of Moses. And this is how the first reading is tied in. Um, the priest is from the tribe of Aaron. Remember, Aaron is the, the other one of Moses. Uh, and both of them uh, have particular things that they do inside the temple. And so these are uh, religious leaders uh, of their community. The Samaritan was a member of a community the Jews were taught to despise. Centuries before the Samaritans, uh, they are Jewish ancestors. People don't get this. They were actually part of the tribes. This is not a complete stranger. This is practically a blood relative. But uh, after being in exile, and this is where the trouble becomes in, after many of their own people had been carried into exile uh, and Babylon had conquered uh, Israel, uh, and the, what, we, what is known as the Samaritans, they were actually blamed for that. They were considered, they helped Babylonians, and there's no proof of that. But that was the thought and theory of Jesus' time. Uh, they also started intermarrying um, with their captives, this particular group known as Samaritans. And when the Jews returned from Babylon some 50 years later, they cut the Samaritans off and would have nothing to do with them. As a matter of fact, it was so horrible between them. Uh, they looked upon Samaritans as half-breeds, pagans, heretics, blasphemers. And even though they said that they uh, believed in the God of Abraham, uh, the Jews said, you have no idea what you're talking about anymore because they had their own rituals uh, that were kind of different from the Jewish nations that had come back together. As he continued the story, Jesus went into detail about the lengths to which the Samaritan 
did to help the wounded man. He not only dressed his wounds, but brought him to an inn, a hotel, and uh, where he took care of him. He also paid the innkeeper to look after him uh, while, he'll, while he continued on the journey. Then he went even further than that. He told the innkeeper, I will give you money uh, my return back if you use even more than this. And my friends, this becomes, I try to highlight what's the characters because um, we, we're not told who the innkeeper is. Uh, we, we can make an assumption that it's a Jewish man who owns it. And here's the thing. Jewish people and Samaritans, they don't do anything together. You can't eat together. You can't use the same utensils. You don't touch their money. So what's going on here? The innkeeper, he can come in. So I guess when it comes to business, there's no prejudice. I mean, well, you can come to your own conclusion, but that's the one I come to, even though we're not told a whole lot about the innkeeper. But we know uh, how people feel uh, about in their time. So um, he tells the man, I'll give, you, I'll give you some more money if you care for him. Jesus then invites the scholar of the law. Uh, it's not a lawyer that we know, like a lawyer, like when you get in an accident or you do something wrong. It's not that kind of lawyer. It's a scholar of the law, uh, more along the lines of a scribe, as we would understand uh, in Jesus' time. So uh, he was a scholar of the law. It means he understood the law. In the very same way that the Levi and the priest, both of them uphold the laws of Moses in their time. Uh, they were very rigid about it. As a matter of fact, we see that in Jesus' time with the Pharisees and scribes. And um, Jesus invites the lawyer to decide which of the three had been a neighbor to the wounded man. And um, the lawyer is reluctant to respond. And then he does something that sometimes we pass over. He doesn't say the Samaritan. He says the one, the one, because they hate each other. So he doesn't even have the decency to say the Samaritan. He says the one, the one who showed mercy. Remember at the beginning of the story when the lawyer has asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? We are told that he asked this because he wished to justify himself before this new rabbi. He was also probably trying to embarrass Jesus because of his reputation uh, for being so welcoming. And uh, uh, the reason for the remark in, in that text it comes from the book of Leviticus. And Jesus would quote this later on in Matthew's gospel. He would condense the two. And his, uh, so Jesus says, you are right, scholar. You have answered correctly. You will live. Jesus didn't say you will have eternal life. He said you will live. But uh, from the book of Leviticus, Jesus had quoted about loving one's neighbor. And uh, in Jesus' time, uh, they were taught that neighbor was only a blood relative, someone who was of the same tribe. So if you were not, you were not a neighbor. So what they're getting at is, what that lawyer is asking is, who can I not care about? So put it in the opposite. Who do I not have to care about? Jesus already knows what's on the lawyer's heart, and he's trying to expand um, the purpose of asking the question, who is my neighbor, uh, was to pressure Jesus uh, to concede to Moses. But Jesus uh, doesn't 
It doesn't accept the interpretation that has been made about the law of Moses, which is even more irony. The Samaritans and the Jews, they both had the law of Moses, and they both had different interpretations of it, too. This is another one of the problems. Um, but the ploy of the lawyer, the scribe, backfires, and Jesus throws a question to him. So the lawyer is now in an uncomfortable position. He would look very foolish, because remember, it's not just Jesus and the scholar talking. There are people around Jesus, because he had followers, so they're all together. Uh, so uh, the lawyer would look very foolish if he claimed that the Jewish priest and the Levite had acted like a neighbor to the injured man. And this is the thing. Uh, the law of Moses would have commanded them, uh, no matter what, to be charitable. But the way the interpretation had gone through the years, they didn't have to care about the Samaritan. They could have li let him lie there. It didn't matter. But then Jesus gets the response he wanted. And the point of the story then becomes so obvious and so powerfully made uh, that this Jewish lawyer, an expert in the law, was forced, he was forced to ignore the official interpretation of the Mosaic law. He was forced to ignore the long-standing ban on the friendship with Samaritans. And the irony is, is that is a blood relative. He had to acknowledge the only person in the story who actually deserved the title of neighbor, as was written in the law, was the Samaritan who was hated. Jesus had the final word. He then told the lawyer to go, and in the English it's lost, but it says go and do likewise. What Jesus, the, the words of Jesus in the Aramaic to the Greek uh, is not just go and do likewise. Go and be like the Samaritan. That is the shocking thing. Even the people standing by are probably like, oh, mercy, did that rabbi just say be a Samaritan? You see, there's so much more. The story represents then not just a good deed, for anyone can do that. This story represents a powerful rebuke on racism, on skewed nationalism, on religious prejudice. The despised and rejected Samaritan turns out to be the deeply human, compassionate person. To the Jew, the Samaritan was a dog, incapable of anything, not even human. The details in the story about the Samaritan's generosity uh, to his traditional enemy, a Jew, is a total rejection and condemnation for blind prejudice against religious differences for the people of Jesus' time, for our time. At the very least, at the very least, the Christian kingdoms need to stop hating each other because we are relatives with each other.
because of baptism. And religion without compassion is a contradiction. It is a lie. Without compassion, one is not even human. And Jesus was fully human. Our master, our Lord, our Savior was that. So Christianity needs to stop with the hate. And I said the twist in the parable, the most disturbing thing in Jesus' story is not the attack. It's not even about the good deed, really. But it's the fact that the two people who were expected, were expected, even by the law, the law of Moses, to do something, did nothing. The Levite and the priest. So my friends, let us not do that. Our neighbor is the person who is in need. My friends, one of my priest friends, his homily was going to be uh, different, but when I talked to him yesterday morning, because uh, he makes fun of me and my he said, you really need to learn how to shorten those homilies, brother. <laughs> he said, I go to your website to listen, and I start listening. I'm like, oh, I'm not listening for 21 minutes. <laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> but um, he, I mean, he, because I pointed out that these were blood relatives and that was forgotten, he said, here's an issue. He said, when it comes to the law, remember, we, the Jewish people know the Ten Commandments as the Decalogue, or the precepts. We know it as the Ten Commandments. Uh, they're both, you know, all, you know, they're Mosaic laws. Uh, and he said, here's the real issue. He said, um, and he started quoting the Ten Commandments, honor thy mother and father. He said, but if you knew my mother and father, you wouldn't want to honor them. He said, uh, he said, my wife or my husband, shall kindness be faithful? Oh, but if you knew them, you wouldn't. If you knew my wife, you wouldn't want to. If you knew my husband. Yeah. Um, forgive? Hmm. Someone who's hurt me? No, no, and I don't think so. And he was getting at, were make excuses because this parable of Jesus and what he was teaching, it gets very real, gets very personal and very in our face. And when it comes to obeying this, he said, people have great ways of trying to get out of it. Kind of what the lawyer was doing, what he was really asking Jesus, who do I not have to care about? And my priest friend said, we do the same thing when we make excuses. My father? No. The rule doesn't apply. It applies. It applies. He said it's harder sometimes to follow Jesus' command to the person who sits across the table from us and easier to do it to the stranger on the corner. And he said, and yet it begins there, doesn't it? Jesus began with his own family members. I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. I've come for my, my family. And then I will reach out to the others. And it began to all time and make sense. And I said, oh, 
here I thought you were ignorant all the time and you're a brilliant little priest, aren't you? <laughs> uh, he's very wise. He has five years on me too in the priesthood. So, so he is senior to me. <laughs> um, so my friends, let us pray and reflect upon uh, this teaching. Go deeper into it. Uh, it's very easy to say, oh, was that it was pretty nice. It was someone who did good deeds. But so much more than that. So much more than that. The scriptures always are. So I hope, uh, I know I keep you a long time, but I hope that I teach so that you will move in holiness. And as the first reading, Moses said, this should be like breathing in and out to you. You shouldn't even have to think about it. Friends, finally, the Levite and the priests, they weren't necessarily bad. Didn't say they were bad or good, and they're not bad. They just made a decision, um, and they were taught that. Uh, the innkeeper, we don't know anything about him. Um, but we know something about the good Samaritan, the Samaritan person. He chose holiness. He understood the laws of Moses. He understood God's heart. We need to stop teaching hate because in Jesus' time they were taught that. They were taught to hate and to fear uh, that group. And uh, it's very difficult. Uh, my friends, I grew up in a household where I was taught to hate a particular group of people. And uh, even though my mother disagreed with my father, uh, he taught that to us. And it took time uh, to break from that. And uh, for a long time, not only did we live in fear of this particular group of people, but my dad taught us to despise and hate them. Um, it was very difficult. So uh, certainly if I can, you can. If you've been taught to hate, you can break that. He will help you with that. But we need to stop teaching hate. Uh, we can break the cycles by not teaching hate, but teaching understanding and uh, um, something that's different. Um, so let us do that. 